You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you would, this morning to the book of Philippians chapter 2 as we continue in our series called Habits of Happiness. Uh, You'll have to forgive me this morning if I seem a little bit off. I am dealing with two things that um, typically I'm not used to, and that's time change and snow. I'm from Hawaii. We don't do either one of those things. So I'm all kinds of a mess this morning. Um, as if I thought I wasn't a big enough mess after Friday. How many of you are like me, still recovering from the Duke Carolina game? <laughs> the worst thing about that Friday night game for me, it being a Carolina fan and watching Duke win, was having to watch Duke win in front of a Duke fan. There's nothing worse than that. I had to kick them out by the third quarter. <laughs> Get out. Um, there was very little happiness in my in the Taylor home during that game. How many of you would say um, that there's very little happiness wherever you can find conflict? Wherever there is conflict, there's very little happiness. Um, I think it's because wherever there is conflict, there's also a force that's a part of conflict, and that force that's a part of conflict is something called pride. Something called pride. This morning, I want us to talk a little bit about something that I'm sure absolutely doesn't apply to you. So tell the person, this is for you today. This message is for you. We're going to talk about pride. We're going to talk about how we deal with pride. We're going to talk about the danger of pride and how if you and I are wanting to live a life that can come close to any amount of happiness, our pride must be dealt with and dealt with severely. I believe that one of the things that is most valuable in this world that people would pay a lot of money for is happiness. Wouldn't you agree? I wonder how much um, a a, a ticket would cost for happiness. Uh, But I think that we give it away so cheaply. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. One of the things that I love about having moved here, I've shared this before um, in North Carolina, is the history that you can find here. It's so readily available. Anywhere you go, you can find history, American history here. And um, any other history nerds, just go ahead and raise your hand this morning. Say amen. God is good. History is fine too. Okay. Um, I I enjoy the fact that I can take my kids to so many different historical sites and and I don't have to go travel far for it. Uh, take them down to go see Andrew Jackson's birthplace down in Waxhaw. I've take them down to King's Mountain that they can see the Battle of King's Mountain during the uh, the war. Um, but the last one that we went to that was so much fun, and maybe you've been there already. How many have been to Reed's Gold Mine before? How cool is that place? You can actually like go down into the mines. And um, before I went there, I didn't think I was claustrophobic. <laughs> then I went actually down into those mines. I was like, man, I can't believe people worked here. But you know the story probably already of John Reed, so forgive me as I, I bore you with telling you it again. I just find it fascinating. John Reed was a farmer. He owned this property down there. Um, one day, his son Conrad went out walking around their property, and he picked up this really weird 17-pound yellow rock. And he brought it back home to his dad, John. And the two of them looked at it, two of them talked about it, and they came up with a decision as to what the best use for this yellow rock would be. And that was to be a doorstop. 
for three years, that 17-pound rock stood as a doorstep to the Reed house, right there on the front porch, until one day a jeweler in town had heard about this funny-looking yellow rock and decided he would come down there to take a peek at it. He went down there, he took a peek at it, and obviously it wasn't just some funny yellow rock. What was it? It was gold, 17 pounds worth of gold. So he made him an offer on the spot of $3.50. Now, we might laugh at that $3.50, but during those times in the 1800s, that was worth the equivalent of about $100 in our time. $100 for a doorstop? Yeah, I'll sell that. And John Reed did just that. He sold this doorstop for $100, one-tenth of its true value. That value of that rock was over $100,000 during that time. John Reed had been robbed. But what John Reed had done is the same thing that I think you and I do. He sold cheaply something that was incredibly valuable. And I think that you and I, well, let me just talk about me. I know I do that far too often. I sell something so cheaply that is of great value, and that can be my own happiness. And I sell my happiness in exchange for pride. Pride and happiness will never go together. Why? Because pride forces us. It compels us to look inward. And if I ever look inward, and I do so consistently, if I elevate my rights, my ways, above everybody else, happiness will never be found. Because happiness is never something that will be found when, it's, when we're looking inwardly. Turn if you wouldn't, or if you haven't yet, to Philippians chapter 2, verses 1-11. through 11. We're going to read today. The reality of how we have to deal with conflict and deal with pride and understand that in the process of life, you will have to navigate conflict. And conflict has the ability to rob you of happiness because where there is conflict, there is pride. Where there is conflict, I have always found in my own life that there's an element of pride within the conflict. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, we read this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and any compassion, then make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. I can hear the voice of paternal Paul right there, can't you? He's saying, if you like these things, then do this. It kind of reminds me of maybe a few car rides I've had with my kids. I'll take them to the movies, right? And as soon as we're back done with the movies, we're in the car, we're driving home, and it doesn't take long before the bickering in the back seat begins, right? You're on my side. No, you're on my side. Dad! Right? And I just want to take the car and drive off a cliff in that moment. And I say to them, hey, did you guys like the movies? And they'll be, yeah. Did you like the candy I gave you? Yeah. Did you like the popcorn? Yeah. Then stop fighting, right? That's what you want to say as a parent. And I almost hear that in Paul's voice here. Hey, do you have any encouragement in God? Yeah. Is there any comfort in Him? Yeah. Do you love having the fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Do you like how your heart has been changed? It's now tender and it's now compassion. They're all like, yeah. Then get along. 
That's, all, that's essentially what Paul is saying. Maybe he's not saying it in that same tone, but he's saying, look at all the benefits that we have in Christ. Look at all the things that we've been given. Now listen, since you've been given this, do something with it. Stop getting broiled up in conflict. Why? Because it doesn't just affect your happiness. Listen to this. It doesn't just affect your happiness. It affects your witness. It doesn't just affect your happiness. It affects your witness. And let me tell you something. When it comes to our witness, there should be nothing that we would even in the slightest of ways, tolerate that into our lives, that which would affect our witness. Continuing in verse 3, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. And in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Because he did that, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, the name that of Jesus, which every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every, I'm sorry, in verse 11, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus exercising insane humility was then elevated by the Father. In fact, Jesus was so humble. And think about that. Why could he's the Son of God? He is He is the Word incarnate. In the beginning was Jesus. In the end will be Jesus. And yet he allowed himself to be humbled and to endure a cross. He was willing to die. My question for me this morning, maybe it's for you as well. If Jesus was willing to die. And for you and I to, to, to go to the cross, am I not willing to die to my own pride? Something that simple? What is he calling me to sacrifice today? Well, I think for the first two points, what I want us to look at is really to, 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 to focus in on verse 3. And if you're, if you're one of those people that like to get your, your Bible marked up, highlight that, underline it. It says to do nothing out of selfish ambition. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. I think right there, we're going to find the first two points that we have in our series or in this sermon. The first two points. And, the, and listen, the first two points of this series, on a cheesy scale of 1 to 10, these are 11s, okay? They're 11s because you're going to be able to remember these this week, okay? So the first point is this, don't let pride be your guide. Come on, admit that's cheesy, but it's true, right? Don't let pride be your guide. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. What we're talking about there is pride. Why is that so important? Because pride can suck the happiness out of every single relationship around you. Pride will suck the happiness out of every single relationship around you. John Maxwell, he wrote about pride, and I think this is so fantastic. He says, leaders who fail to prune their pride will meet demise. That's not a guess. It's a guarantee. With pride, it's not a matter of if we will fail, but when we will fail. 
and there are no exceptions. I say it's not a matter of if we will fail, but I'll take it a step further. It's how far we will fall. (laughs) We will fall whenever we don't do the difficult task of pruning our pride. Listen, searching after happiness and becoming more like Christ, this is not going to be easy, folks. But it's going to lead to benefits that blow your mind. And dealing with pride is extremely tough. How many of you know that within conflict, pride rears its ugly head so quickly and so unexpectedly sometimes? Have you ever been like in an argument or in a fight or something, and, and all of a sudden you are both digging in deep because your pride is being threatened, your pride is being wounded, and so, and so in this conflict, all of a sudden it's elevated to a place where you didn't even intend it to be. Let me tell you something. If you've been married more than six weeks, that's true. <laughs> How many of you have ever had the car ride from hell? Raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, it's because you're scared of your wife. That's why, Ryan, that's why you're not raising your hand. Okay, your hand was up. Okay, good. I will admit to this. I have had the car ride from hell with my wife before. and, And I don't even know how it starts. Like, I need a video camera with me all the time to remember how this even starts. But my wife and I will be driving in a car. She'll say something. And bless her soul, it's wrong. And so... It's my job as a husband, as a leader of my home, to inform her of how wrong she is. I am the pastor of my home. Amen. Thank you, sir. I hope you're driving separate cars home. Um, and so, and so, what I'll do is we start to fight, right? And then, and then we're not, we're not, we're having this conflict. Neither one of us are budging. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to let her know how wrong she is. I am going to withhold my wit my charm and my conversation and we are going to ride in silence now that's what she deserves she is going to ride in silence and so we'll be driving in the car and silence isn't good enough i will turn my body like this away from her (laughs) drive my car back is to her she's going to pay for injuring my pride and then and then so i'm gonna take it a step further not only do i not want to talk i would rather hear the radio than hear this woman right so i put on the radio and unfortunately Unfortunately, it'll be set like to a Christian station. And I'm like, oh, no, the Holy Spirit's not going to be in here. I'll tell you there. And so I changed the station and, and I want to be mad. I need to be mad. Do you understand me? I need to be mad. My pride has been wounded. But this will ha- I'll hit a station and a song will come on like this. Click. Right. And I don't even want to do this. It's just happening. I'm loosening up, I'm softening up, I'm driving. In my hand, I don't want it to, but it starts making its way over to my wife. And when it gets close enough, this is what she does. How many of you had the car ride from hell before? Raise your... If you have not, it's because you drive separately. I know it. Listen, pride has a way of doing just that, right? Where you dig in deep and you're going to hold on to your areas. It happens in, in, in all, it happens in school. Remember back in high school, um, you, you remember like somebody would say something to you and you'd be so angry at them, right? And the next day they feel bad. They see you at the locker and they're like trying to talk to you and you shut your locker and you just walk away, right? Here's, the, here's this. Listen, bitterness is pride expressed. 
Bitterness is pride expressed. We become bitter at the people we're in conflict with. We become bitter at those who would dare to stand against us. Really what we're saying is, how dare you stand against my pride? How dare you do that? And every single time when pride is our guide, happiness flees the relationship. And you know what we do? We, we, we do something even worse than this. Is we set ourselves up to be something that we're not. Listen, every single time when we allow ourselves to live with pridefulness in our lives, we're living idolatrous lives. What do you mean by that, Jeremy? I mean this. I don't think any of you would probably go home, take a piece of wood or a piece of clay, and form a, a false god out of it, an idol, and set it up and worship it. But you know what we'll do? We will worship our own pride daily. And then we begin to live an idolatrous life that has elevated us above everything else, even the Word of God. Can I, can, I tell you, can I tell you this? There has never been a false idol from the beginning of time until the end of time that brings satisfaction and everything you're looking for. Every false idol in the history of man has failed because there's one true God. And I tell you, when my pride has been allowed to fester and to grow and to become an idol in my life, even though it's unintentional, that idol will fail me too. Not only will it fail me, it's going to fail those closest to me that I love the most. So we, we want to make sure that pride is not our guide. Here comes the second corny line. You ready for it? Second corny line. Be humble or you'll stumble. <laughs> Pretty corny, right? Be humble. Corny but true. Be humble or you'll stumble. This is, this is what humility does. Humility allows us to make two statements that heal and liberate. The first statement that humility allows us to say is that I was wrong. The second thing that humility does is it asks for forgiveness. It says, will you forgive me? Humility every single time will, find, will, will leave a relationship better than it's been found. When we exercise humility, guaranteed, we will leave a relationship better than when we found it. I, I, I don't know why I tell people things sometimes, but I do. And I shared from the pulpit a couple of weeks ago how I love me a good chicken biscuit. I had somebody come <laughs> tell me what well, you shouldn't. They're really high in fat, and, 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 and cholesterol is really bad in it, and the calories. And in my mind, I'm saying, bless your heart, I'll eat too now. Just because that's how hum- I'm humble. That's what, but I didn't say it out loud. I just, and, and so when I read this story this week, it, 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 it caught my attention. How many of you have heard of Dan Cathy? Dan Cathy, does that ring a bell? Yeah? Tell me him. Who is he? Chick-fil-A CEO, right? The owner of Chick-fil-A CEO of it. Um, he and how many of you guys have heard this name? Rick Warren. Yeah, pastor of Saddleback, big church. Um, they were hanging out with one another. And uh, and Dan Cathy was showing Rick Warren some places that they were going to build new Chick-fil-A's. And so they're doing this, and then, you know, they're, they're hungry. And um, so they go, and, and I want you to listen to the words of Rick Warren. He, he, he wrote this. He says, so we were looking at the building, and while we were there, we were hungry. So he went next door to, I think it was a Taco Bell. <laughs> It was some other fast food in competition with Chick-fil-A. We'd been out, our hands were all sweaty and dirty, and we went into the restroom, and we washed our hands. 
And then I watched Dan take out extra sheets. This is the CEO of a chain of restaurants. And I watched him pull them out, and I watched him, him hand clean the sinks of the Taco Bell bathroom we were just in. And I looked at him, and I said, thank you for doing that, Dan. And he said, Rick, we teach our staff to always leave any place they're at better than it was when they found it, whether it's our place or whether it's not. <laughs> Humility does that. Humility leaves every place better than we found it. That's so true in our relationships too. When we can humble ourselves with one another, when we can say, I'm sorry, you don't have to say, hold me now. <laughs> you say, I'm sorry. When we can say, I was wrong. When we, can say, when we can do those things, let me tell you, you have just infused your relationship with happiness. You have just infused your relationship with vision and hope and tomorrow. And you've done the things that are required for a thriving relationship to grow in. Take that away. Take humility away. And that relationship invariably is going to die. It's going to die in its passion. It's going to die in its hope. It's going to die in its vibrancy. And worse off, it, may, it just may die altogether. We have got to learn to walk humbly because true humility allows us to do this. Number three, it al allows us to learn the lost art of paying attention. <laughs> Checking our pride, walking in humility. When we do those two things, you know what begins to happen? We begin to really pay attention to those around us because we're no longer worshiping ourselves. We can begin to hear. I love how um, Philippians 2.4 reads in the NCV version. Do not be interested only in your own life, but be interested in the lives of others. Have you ever had a, a conversation with somebody and they're physically present, but their mind is a thousand miles away? You ever been there? You ever, seen, you ever had a conversation like that? Like you're talking, they're there, but they're inside. They're, they're far away from you. When I think about that, I always, I always remember my wife myself and there's this pastor not from here so don't worry about it and we were, i was kind of young in the ministry at that time and at that same time my wife's dad had been diagnosed with lou gehrig's disease als i don't know how many of you guys are familiar with that it's this nasty terrible disease and um and we're driving in a car driving out of the parking lot of this church and 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 he said to my wife he said so how's your dad doing and my wife, she, she begins to say, you know, he, he's, he's struggling with some stuff. It, 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 it's hard. And mid-sentence, he cuts her off and points out the construction on the building. says, how do you mean you guys, you guys like that new rock wall that we got going on over there? Isn't that great? And I thought to myself, you jerk. I wanted to lay hands on him. <laughs> but the problem is I've done the same thing. How many times have you been in a relationship and, and, and really they're talking, but you're not listening? I mean, because the things that you're going through and the stuff you're about to do and the challenges that you have, it's so much more important than whatever they're talking about, right? Now, we won't admit to it, but you know how I know I do it? Because I have four boys. And I've found at times that there's, there's something exciting that they want to share. They'll come home and they'll want to talk about something that went on at school or what went on at the playground or what went on in their game. And man, I'm an important person, aren't you? I mean, the stuff that we have to do is pretty important, right? And so I'm thinking of all the stuff I've got to do. 
I joke, you know I'm not. But I thought I was, so I couldn't even stop and listen to my own kid tell a story that was so important to them. Who else do, do we do that with? Man, do we do that in the lobby sometimes? I, I, I went to, um, well, I don't want to say when, because I don't want to give it away, but there's an individual. Went out to dinner with them, and... Uh, Finally got to listen to them because you know how it gets so busy sometimes. There's so many people going, you don't get to hear everybody. They begin to tell me their story about the story of their 17-year-old son who committed suicide and the devastation that it caused rippling through their family and how other Christians had said at a grief, this is true, they had a grief share, you know, where you can deal with grief and stuff like that. And they asked the pastor that her, she not be there because her son chose to die when their, when their family member did not. And I'm, and I'm being able to hear the pain in this person. I'm being able to have conversation, speak words of healing and hope and health into her because the Holy Spirit had a word for her in that moment and I would have missed it all if I didn't take the time to listen. How many times do we miss Holy Spirit-inspired moments because we fail to listen because, dang it, we're so important and so busy that we better be thinking about something else? Greatest piece of advice the pastor gave me. <laughs> He said, Jeremy, on a Sunday morning, walk slow. Listen, what I would tell us is this. Let's listen slow too. Let's allow ourselves in every relationship, in every environment, to listen slowly to the people that God has put around us. Because maybe, just maybe, they need to be heard today. Write this down for number four. When we discipline ourselves in those three habits of fighting our pride, walking in humility, and paying attention to others, what we're doing is we're embracing the mindset of Christ. We're embracing the mindset of Christ. Let me read verses 5 through 8 for you again. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Read this part with me, if you would. By becoming even... He was willing to sacrifice everything, wasn't he? Can I read verse 5, though, for you once again? In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In your relationship. What I'm seeing here is not a multiple choice item. We look at the Bible as a multiple choice item sometimes. Well, I like this part, and I like that one. Ooh, I am more than a conqueror. I'm going to keep that one. Do you hear what I'm saying? And sometimes the tough stuff, well, you know, I'm not going to choose that one today. Because this is tough. This is tough. But it's not optional. I don't see an option within this verse. What he's saying is this. You will have the same mindset as Christ. In your relationships, have the same mindset as Christ. Because when I do so, not only are my relationships happier and healthier, I am. And again, remember this. It's not just about your happiness, it's about your witness. 
when I have the same mindset as Christ, I'm a much more effective pastor. I'm a much more effective husband. I'm a much more effective friend. I am an effective witness for Jesus Christ, and I don't want anything less for my life. What about you? Our lives, our heart's desire, our the passion within us should scream out, God, I want nothing more than you. I want nothing more than to be used by you, moved by you, shaped by you, molded by you, and released to do ministry by you. Because that was what you were created to be. And I can't be that when I'm carrying pride. I can't be that when I'm not walking humbly with my God and with other people. I can't do that when I think I'm so important that I can't listen to other people. And there's no option in it. It's do it. Do it. In the early 1800s, there was a priest. He was about to be ordained. And as a gift, his dad sent him on a little cruise. It took him from England where he got on the boat, went over to France, went over to Ireland, and he loved it. Absolutely loved it. Took pictures all over the place and was so enjoying it that there was an American couple on the boat that said, man, we can see how much you like this. We want to pay for the last leg of this voyage if you want to come with us because it was going from there to New York. And he's like, dude, totally. Yes. So the first thing I got to do is I got to talk to my boss. Ministry or not, you got to talk to your boss. And so he, he talked to his boss and, and there was a reply on the telegram that came back. It is said, get off the boat now. <laughs> Effectively, get to work is what he's saying. Get off the boat now. Young priest was disappointed, but obedient. And he got off the boat and he watched the Titanic sail away. And he said... This is the first time that it happened to him that holy obedience saved his life. Holy obedience saved his life. Can I tell you this? The same potential is true for you and me. That when we live in holy obedience to whatever God's word tells us, it may save our lives, yes. But what else could it save? If I, if I deal with pride... If I walk in humility, if I listen better, if I take on the mindset of Christ, maybe that saves my marriage. Maybe if I do that, it saves a relationship that I have with my kid. Holy obedience might save those around me. Holy obedience might save the plans and the purposes that God has for my life. Because listen, the fullness of who God has created you to be and the fullness and the depth and the incredible calling that he has in your life, it will be thwarted if we don't deal with pride. We will be limited if we don't walk in humility. I don't want, I don't want to lose what God has intended for me to you. Then I got to have a holy obedience that says, yes, Lord, whatever you say, I will do no matter how much it hurts. I saw a thing the other day. I thought it was so good. I hope I don't butcher it. Didn't plan on telling you this morning. It says, either embrace the pain of change or embrace the pain of staying exactly as you are. There's going to be pain. Which one do you want it to be? Do you want the pain of just saying, God, do whatever you want with my life. As much as it hurts, shape me, deal with me deal with me or do I want to deal with the pain of just being Jeremy because that's painful sometimes close your eyes this morning because what we want to do is this 
We're going to ask the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me personally in this message today? Let's ask him, what are you saying to me today? This morning, I'm not going to even ask for a a show of hands. I'm going to be as presumptuous as this, as I'm I'm going to believe that probably all of us are dealing in some way, shape, or form at some point issues of pride. I'm going to guess, because we are human, we are, that sometimes we don't walk in humility. So I'm not asking today who might be dealing with this. I know we're all dealing with this. So here's my prayer for us today. Lord, let us be courageous enough to allow you to have your way with me, to have your way with us. And right now, maybe the Holy Spirit is bringing to mind relationships that you have had, maybe even recently, where your pride has gotten the best of you. You said some things or behaved in certain ways that you wish you had a rewind button on. Maybe we don't have a rewind button on, but we can always go back and we can make right what was wrong. And so I would pray over those individuals here. Maybe there's a conversation that you need to have as you walk out of here today. I pray for boldness and courage over your life that you would be able to lead well in those relationships by being humble enough to say, I'm sorry. God, what we ask today is this. Let our relationships with one another bear a great witness for who you are. Lord, we desire more than anything to represent you well. Yes, happiness is great. (laughs) And we look forward to it and we're glad for it. But more than happiness, Lord, what we desire is to be a witness. So, Father, shape us and mold us into being just that for you. And all God's people said, Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.